All right, good morning, everybody. All right, we'll pick up where we left off last last time. Um, something I forgot to uh, point out. I was thinking about this was I was studying the other day, and um, when we were in, when we were in Exodus talking about Jesus in, in the book of Exodus, because last time we were talking about um, the rock in um, in Numbers uh, chapter twenty, and, and and this is in reference to that rock in Numbers chapter twenty. I thought about. Um, Exodus 33, if you'll turn there real quick, uh, Exodus 33, I want to pick this one up before I forget about it, um, where Moses asked to see God's glory. Um, Paul said that that rock in the, in the wilderness, um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, he said that rock was Christ. Okay, um, Well, this, this, this rock, um, so was this rock that... that um, that we're talking about here with, with, with Moses. Um, it says in uh, Exodus chapter 33, if you're there, uh, go to verse 18. It says, And he, he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I, I will make all, the, all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, uh, for, for there, there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall, be, it shall come to pass while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a cliff, cleft, cliff of the rock, and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take, my, take away my hand, and thou shalt see my back part, my face shall not be seen. Okay. So, um, again, this is, you know, we talked about that rock uh, last time, that rock in the wilderness. Um, this this is also another rock, and this is a picture of Christ in in in, uh, in Exodus chapter thirty three. And you notice that you know no part of this covering was done by Moses. Okay, um, you know the Lord didn't say you know be sure you don't turn around. You know be sure you, you don't turn around. He was he was completely covered by God's hand in that rock. You know he put him in a, in that cliff, sort of like a crack in the rock, and he covered him. He completely covered him up. So again, that 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 rock was Christ. You know, just like Paul said about that rock in the wilderness, that rock was Christ. That rock, this rock here, was Christ as well. It's a picture of Jesus Christ. Um, Colossians three three says, "For you are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God." Okay, just same way he hid Moses in the rock. So I just wanted to point that one out. I forgot to I forgot to go over that when we were, we were in Exodus. So um, so that rock was Christ as well. That's another picture of Jesus in the book of Exodus. Um, but moving moving along, uh, go back to the book of Numbers, um, Numbers chapter twenty one, where we left off last last time. Um, this is a really great picture of Christ, um, the, the brazen serpent, um, and I won't spend a whole lot of time on it because I have done a study on this one, you know, just by itself. But I wanted to kind of hit on it while we're while we're going through the Old Testament. But the uh, we know the children of Israel they complained against God as they always did. Um, he sent he sent fiery serpents among the people. Um, Numbers twenty one verse six it says the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much uh, people of Israel died. Um, it says in verse seven, uh, <clears throat> therefore the people came to Moses and said, "We have sinned." Okay, and that's us. That's that's the same thing we've done. Uh, verse verse uh, verse eight says, and the Lord. Said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. 
And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. Okay? And, you know, this is one of my favorite pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament because it, 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 it without a doubt, it, it shows how simple salvation is. Um, they, they looked and they lived. It was that simple. Um, whoever looked at that serpent on the pole, they lived. Um, there was no doing, no saying, you know, I'm sorry, no repenting of sins. Uh, if you looked, you lived. If you didn't, you died. It's, very, it's a very simple picture of salvation. Um, if you trusted, you lived. If you didn't, you died. You know, if you, if you walked off in the woods to find a cure on your own, okay, um, your own way, if you did it your own way, you died. You know, all you, all you can do is look. That's all you can do. And all you can do for salvation is look to Him. That's all you can do. Trust Him. That's salvation. Um, and Jesus pointed this out. Hold your place. Go to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. John chapter 3, verse 14, Jesus said, uh, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Okay? And even still, people will say, Yeah, but to believe means that you have to, you know, you have to live a life that proves you believe, you know. No, it just means believe. You know, nobody, nobody has trouble understanding the word believe except when it pertains to salvation. You know, that's what I've noticed. Um, and, and then they try to twist the meaning of the word believe, you know, make it more than it is. But when we look back at this picture in Numbers chapter 21, it defines what it means to believe in Christ. Um, it, just, it just means to look at Him, okay, to trust Him. You're not looking at yourself, your, your obedience, your works, none of that stuff. You're looking at Him. So this, this picture of Jesus as the brazen serpent, it defines what it means to believe. Okay, when you when you read it and understand it, um, how many times did you have to look at this brazen serpent to believe? Just one time, just one time. Um, again, these types in the Old Testament they help to clarify salvation. That they make the, the gospel, they make salvation crystal clear. Um, if you pay attention, Jesus became sin. Okay, Second um, Corinthians five twenty one says it for it says for he had made him sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In Him, not on our own, in Him. He became our sin on that pole. Um, that's why He was pictured in the Old Testament as a serpent on a pole, you know, to, to simply be look, looked upon for salvation once, just one time. Um, salvation is an event that takes place at a moment in time, okay? The moment you believe, you know, that's what Ephesians says. Um, and then you move on to the Christian life, okay? And you begin the process of growth. You don't go back to salvation again. Okay? You know, these, these lordship folks, they keep, they keep harping on people and they keep questioning people's salvation over and over again, you know. Or are you really saved, you know, just constantly harping on it all the time. But look what, go to, go to uh, Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1. Let's see what it says. Hebrews 6 and verse 1. It says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to, unto perfection. Um, you know, not, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and the faith toward, uh, faith toward God. Okay? Re repentance from, dead, from dead works is, is what true biblical repentance is. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, 
toward, as, as far as salvation is concerned. Not, not repenting of our personal sins. It's, it's repenting of a, of a belief that your own dead works can save you. Okay? Um, looking to Christ, just like they looked at that serpent on the pole. Uh, and then moving forward from there, right? Um, Paul said, uh, he says here, let us go on unto perfection. That's growth. That's growth in the Christian life once you're already saved. Um, stop raising that serpent on a pole over and over again, you know? It says not laying again the foundation, okay? Christ has already paid the price. Um, 1 Corinthians 3 verse 11 says, for other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Um, once the foundation is laid, um, if you believe, you have the foundation, you know? Um, now, you can build on that foundation and grow, right? Which you should. Don't, but don't, don't keep trying to be saved or stay saved. You know, don't keep laying that foundation. It's already there. But that's what people do, you know. So, so much so that um, if you go turn back to the, the Old Testament book of 2 Kings, people won't let it go. They just won't let it go. 2 Kings chapter 18. This thing pops up again. Under the reign of Hezekiah. 2 Kings um, 18 and verse 4. This is what Hezekiah did. He was one of the good kings. He said he removed the high places and break the images, cut down the groves and break in pieces the brazen serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and he caught it in Nehushtan. Okay? And this was like 700 years later. Okay? They were still raising that brazen serpent up and worshiping that thing. Um, but, you know, when it was only meant to be used one time, one, t- one time to be looked at once in a moment of time, you know, when they needed to be saved from those, those, those serpents, okay? And that's, you know, that's what, you know, like the Catholic Church, they, that's what every false religion does when they just can't accept that Christ has already done the work. You know, Hezekiah finally broke it to pieces or somebody would probably still have that thing to this day. Probably the Catholic Church, they would still have that thing and he's setting that thing up and, and, and burning incense to it and worshiping that thing um, like an idol. But, you know, and, you know, you can actually see it to this day. Um, a symbol of, of that snake, that brazen serpent on a pole, because um, that's a symbol of the medical industry, if, if you've ever noticed that. Um, the EMTs, the, if you, you ever noticed the, um, on the ambulance, every, just about every ambulance or the ambulance driver, and this is nothing against them, this is just the symbol that they use, You'll see that little blue star looking thing, and there's a serpent on a pole right there in the middle of that, that thing. Um, doctor's offices, dentist, I actually took a picture. I don't even know if you can see this from here, but this is the, can you see that? This is the, the dentist office in, in uh, Danielsville. You see that serpent on a pole right there? See that? Can everybody see that? Um, but yeah, that's the, but any, any doctor's office you go to, you'll see it on, you know, you'll see it on, on the wall, you'll see it on a little sticker on the, on the window you'll see a snake on a pole. Um, and uh, they'll, they'll say it's, the, the, it's called the rod of Asclepius. That's what they, that's what they call it. Um, he was a, a Greek god um, who was kind of associated with healing and medicine. Um, but we know, we, we know that they stole that from the Bible. They got that from the Bible. Um, because that cult, there was this cult that developed around that. It, was, it had to do with um, Hippocrates. You know, the, the doctors take that Hippocratic oath um, and around the 6th century B.C., that's when it really came about. So we know they got the idea from the Bible because this is way before the 6th century B.C. Um, it came much earlier than that. Um, 
But it is a symbol of healing. Um, but it would just be nice if people would give credit where credit is due, you know. Um, and when, you know, if you've never seen that, you'll see it now. When, next time you go to your doctor's office or you see an ambulance going by, you'll see that snake on a pole. Um, but it was, a, and again, it was a one-time thing. It was a picture of a, of a once-for-all sacrifice, um, just like salvation is. Um, you know, the Catholics, they still have Jesus on a cross. You go to a Catholic church, he's still up there on that cross. Um, but he's not. He's not on the cross anymore. He's seated at God's right hand. They also burn incense, you know, and they'll have a little carved depiction of Jesus up there, just like they did in Hezekiah's day. But all the false religions are just a counterfeit of the real thing. Uh, that's the point. Um, but I just wanted to point that one out. Um, but the next one, moving right along, is Numbers chapter 24. Numbers chapter 24. And this is where uh, the Lord spoke through Balaam. And Balaam, you know, was not a good guy. He was a sort of like a prophet for hire. You know, they tried to get Balaam to curse Israel. And, of course, he couldn't do it. But the Lord actually spoke through him, even though he was um, a hireling, I guess you could say. Um, and he used him. And it says, if you're there in Numbers 24, uh, look at verse uh, 16. Um, he, he hath said, which heard the words of God and knew the knowledge of the Most High, which saw the vision of the Almighty falling into a trance, but having his eyes open. This is speaking of Balaam here. Um, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. There shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel, and shall smite the corners of Moab, and destroy all the children of Sheth. Um, and, also, and Edom shall be a possession. Seir also shall be a possession for his enemies, and Israel shall do valiantly. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion and shall destroy him that remaineth of the city. Okay, and of course we know who that is. Um, but he mentions this star out of Jacob. How do we know this is talking about Jesus? We know it's not a literal star. Okay, but you know, the, the Jews will say that this is about David. And you know, we can see where some of this would apply to David. Because you know, um, he was also a, a picture of, of, of Christ. He was a type of Jesus in the, in the Old Testament. Um, but David is never referred to as a star, okay, in, in the Old Testament or New Testament. So there's only one who can fulfill this, this picture completely, okay? And uh, don't take my word for it, because it says, um, if you'll flip over to uh, Revela book of Revelation, towards the end, Revelation chapter 22, referring to that star, star out of Jacob, uh, Revelation 22, verse 16 um, Jesus himself, he says, I, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Okay? Um, so this is clearly a picture or reference to Jesus um, there in Numbers. Uh, another one. Um, who was far out in the distance. Okay? Um, where does it say it at? Um, verse 17, going back to Numbers chapter 24. He says, um, I shall see him, but not now. I shall behold him, but not nigh. Okay. So it, it just refers to that he was coming later. And Jesus confirms that he's the one being spoken of there in uh, Numbers chapter 24. So this is another, again, this is another picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. Um, another one that you may not have thought of is, is in the very next chapter, um, Numbers chapter 25. Numbers chapter 25, um, uh, beginning in verse 1. Uh, it says, uh, And Israel abode in, in Shittim, 
And the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. And they called the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined, uh, joined himself unto Baal, uh, Baal Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So they're, you know, they're back to their, their false worship again. And, and the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. And Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay ye every one, of, of, every one his men that were joined unto Baal Peor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto his, his brethren a Midianitish woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And when, when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose up from among the congregation and took a javelin in his hand. And he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. So the plague was stayed from the children of Israel. And those that died in the plague were, were 20 and 4,000. Okay, so again, they're worshiping these false gods. Another strange story in the, in the Old Testament. But, um, but they, they, they turned back to the world, you know, as we all have, right? And, and God has basically condemned... He's condemned all of them for what they've done. You know, he just, God is angry, um, and he had a right to be. Um, and this Phinehas, he sees this Israeli man. He's consorting with this, you know, this pagan woman, this Midianitish woman. So he takes the spear, and he drives it through both of them to end it, basically. You know, he's, he's, he's mad. And, and when the Lord sees his, his zeal for the Lord, he stops this plague that's going to kill all, the, all of Israel, right? So Phinehas, because of his zeal, he sort of saved the day, right? Well, what does that remind you of? Go to, go to turn over to Psalm 69, book of Psalm. Psalm 69, in verse 9, it says, For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. Okay, and and this is a righteous anger for the you know for the things of the Lord. Um, Benahas had this zeal, this righteous anger, um, and you know who else had that kind of zeal? Jesus Christ. Okay, because that's what this is. This is a this is a prophecy about Jesus Christ. It's speaking of Him. Um, if you turn to uh, John chapter two in the New Testament. John chapter 2. Beginning at verse 13. It says, And the Jews' Passover was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem and found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the, money, the changers' money and threw over through the tables. And said unto them that sold does, Take these things hence, make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. Okay? So you see that same kind of zeal um, with Benehas. You know, it wasn't quite as extreme. You know, he drove a spear through two, two people. But when, you know, people would look at that example of Jesus and that, they'd probably say that's not very Christian. But, you know, that he, he, he had a zeal for the things of the Lord and they were just doing wicked things in the, in the temple. So he made a whip and he drove them all out. So it's the same picture with Benehas. He's a, he's a type of, of Jesus there, okay? So Benehas, when he ran those two through with the spear because of his love for the Lord, not only did he put an end to the evil, but he also saved a lot of lives, right? Well, guess who else did that? 
Jesus, right? Um, go, go to uh, Numbers chapter 25. Go back to Numbers chapter 25. Look at verse 11. It says, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the, the son of Aaron, the priest, hath turned away my wrath from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. Wherefore say, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace, and he shall have it and his seed after him, and even the covenant of everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. Now, now who do you think this is ultimately referring to? It's referring to Jesus, okay? Um, Acts 10, verse 43, it said, To him give all the prophets witness. This is a witness uh, to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, okay? And it's pretty easy to see this, uh, that this points to Jesus, because again, um, if you go to Hebrews, go to Hebrews chapter 5, Hebrews chapter 5, You'll never understand the book of Hebrews without the Old Testament. That's, you know, that's why we keep going back and forth to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. In verse 5, it says, uh, So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but that he said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. And he saith, also, in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Okay? So, again, this, this is talking about that, that everlasting priesthood that, that he talked to, to Phinehas about. Um, and this, this could only point to Jesus. Um, also, um, going back to Numbers chapter 25, verse 11, um, it says that, um, that he hath turned away my wrath. Okay? Well, Jesus is the one who turned... God's wrath away from us, right? Um, Romans 5.9, go to Romans 5.9 for me. Speaking of being turned away from wrath, Romans 5 and verse 9. It says, much more than being justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Okay, that's what, exactly what was spoken of um, about Phinehas in Numbers chapter 25, you know, is pointing forward to Christ. Um, Numbers 25 and verse 12 says, Behold, I give unto him my covenant of peace. Well, there in Romans 5 verse 1, it says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Um, and, of course, verse 13 in Numbers 20, 25 there that we read, um, it says, uh, Because he was zealous for his God and made an atonement for the children of Israel. Um, and that's exactly what Christ did for us. He, he's our atonement, okay, for our sin. Okay, so that's just another another picture. A lot of people miss that one in uh, Numbers chapter twenty-five. That's a, just a really perfect picture of Christ there with with Phinehas. Um, but the next one, uh, moving along, is in uh, chapter twenty-seven about Joshua. It talks about Joshua there, um, and actually, you know, Joshua and, and, and Jesus basically have the same name. Um, go to Acts chapter 7 with me. Hold your place there. We'll be right back. Acts chapter 7. <clears throat> and if you notice, you know, uh, names change. You know, they often change when, they, when you go from the Old Testament to the New Testament. You know, when you go from Hebrew to the Greek. 
Um, but you know, remember we talked about Joseph as a as a type of Christ in Genesis chapter thirty-seven. You know, his brother Judah came up with the idea to sell him to the Ishmaelites. Okay, and that reminds us of how Judas, right? Um, so in in the New Testament, sold Jesus for for thirty pieces of silver. Then you read in the gene- genealogy in Matthew chapter chapter one, uh, verse two, that that Jacob be- begot Judas. Okay, so the name the name of Judah. And when it trans- translates to the, to, the, to the Greek, it's Judas, right? Um, so the spelling of his name changed or transferred over to the New Testament. You know, like Isaiah, um, in John, uh, John chapter 12, is spelled Isaiah, E-S-A-I-S or something like that. Um, Noah is Noe, N-O-E, right? Um, Elijah is Elias, E-L-I-A-S. Um, so but the same... I'm going through all this because the same thing is true of Joshua, okay? It goes from Joshua in the Old Testament to Jesus in the New Testament. And you'll see it there in Acts um, chapter 7. And let's see, where is it? Verse uh, 44. Yeah, verse 44 says, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers into the days of David. Um, so this is, this is obviously Joshua of the Old Testament, okay? Um, because he, he brought the people in the tabernacle into the promised land, okay? Um, and in Hebrews chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 4 verse 7 and 8, it also calls Joshua Jesus, okay? That's the spelling of the name. Um, so this makes a perfect picture of Jesus in Numbers chapter 27 because they basically they share the same name. Their name means the same thing. Um, and it follows along in tight because who followed Moses? Joshua, right? Um, Moses is a picture of the law because you know Scripture tells us that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Um, and when Moses dies, Joshua steps up and they follow him into the promised land, Right? Um, so Moses represents the Old Testament. Joshua represents the New Testament. Okay? Joshua took them into the promised land. Jesus takes us into heaven. Okay? Um, Romans 10 and verse 4 says, for, for Christ is the end of the law, for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Um, so when Moses, who pictured the law, um, when he died, you know, that, was, that was the end of the law in type. Right? Um, and who takes over? Well, Joshua, or Jesus, right? Um, Romans 7, verse 4 says that, says that you also are become dead to the law by the body of Christ. And, and this is pictured by the death of Moses, you know, and, and Joshua taken over. See, you know, you wouldn't understand this without these types in the Old Testament. You'd never understand it. And that's why you should study, you should study types. And I'll tell you another picture you see there. It shows, um, it shows salvation crystal clear. If you go to Hebrews chapter 3... Go with me back to Hebrews chapter 3. This is in verse 17. Um, it, it says, but, but with whom was he grieved forty years? Was it not then that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? Uh, and to, to whom he swear, swear he that, that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. 
And that's, that's the true reason they didn't enter in, because of their unbelief. Um, why, did, why did God not allow Moses to enter into the promised land? Well, he struck the rock twice, like we talked about last time, instead of speaking to the rock. Um, but what was the cause of that? Well, it says, if you go back to Numbers chapter 20, back up a little bit, Numbers chapter 20, in verse, let's see, verse 12, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, He says, Because you believe me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given them, because you believe me not. It, that's, what, that's all it always is. It's either you believe or you believe not. Um, that's all salvation is. It's believing or not believing. It's that simple. Uh, Moses didn't go in because of his unbelief. Okay? Into, into the promised land, not into heaven. Promised land. Um, Neither, neither did that generation who didn't believe. Uh, you know, the ones that, those spies that went in there and said, you know, we can't do it. You know, we can't do this. It's too hard. Um, they didn't get to go in either, you know. And the thing is, you can't gain salvation by Moses, by the law. Moses is a picture of the law. You can't gain salvation like that. Um, Galatians 3, Galatians 3 and verse 12 It says, and the law is not of faith, but, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. The law is not of faith. You, 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 can't, um, you can only get salvation by, by Joshua, by Jesus. Okay? What did Joshua do to get into the promised land? Well, he and Caleb, they gave a good report. You know, when they went into the, went the promised land, they gave a good report. They said, you know, with, with the Lord on our side, we can, we can do this. We can do this. That's all they did. That's all they did. Um, they believe the Lord, you know. Salvation is the same thing. It's the same thing. It's just believing that, that God will do what He says He'll do, okay? What did He say? He said that, you know, the Bible tells us that Jesus paid the price. He shed His blood. He, 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 he died. He, was, he buried and He rose on the third day. That's the gospel, okay? And that's all salvation is, is believing. You're believing what He said. That's, that's all you're doing. Um, if you do that, you're saved, you'll make it in, you know? Um, just like Joshua got to go into the promised land. Um, because you believe in a good, the good report of God, the good news, the, the gospel. If you don't, if you think you can do it your own way, or maybe like those spies you know, that went in, um, you think there's no way that God can do that. You know, that's what they thought. Um, Jesus didn't, there's no way Jesus did it all. Right? If you believe that, you, know, you believe you're going to have to do something else to help him out, you're not going to make it in. You know, 1 John 5.10 says, He that believeth not God hath made him a liar because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. Okay? So Joshua entered in because of his belief. He, he, he believed the record, the, the good report that God gave, that he could give him that, give him that land. Um, so this is a very clear picture of what salvation is in the Old Testament with Joshua as an example of a believer. Okay? And a really good picture of Jesus. Um, here's another way that Joshua points to Jesus. Go back to Numbers chapter 27. Um, look at verse uh, 15. Numbers 27, verse 15. It says, And Moses spake unto the Lord, saying, uh, Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation, which may go out before them, and which may go in before them, and which may lead them out, and which may bring them in that the congregation of the Lord be not as a sheep which have no shepherd. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him. Okay, So take, so take a man, 
He said, take a man and set him over the congregation. Well, in the New Testament, the congregation is called the church, right? Okay, you see the picture? Um, go to, hold your place, go to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, in verse 22. It says, take a, take a man, put him over the, uh, over the congregation. Um, it says in Ephesians 5, verse 22, Wives, submit your, yourselves unto the, your husbands as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Okay, So again, set a man over the congregation. Joshua was, Joshua was the man. He was that man, right? The man. We say that sometimes. He's the man, right? He's the man. He was the head of the congregation, okay? Well, Christ is the head of the church. You see the picture? Um, he's the man. Uh, first, first Timothy 2, 5 says, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus, right? See the picture? Um, so Joshua was the man, and Christ is the man, okay? He said, in, in going back to uh, Numbers chapter 27, uh, verse 17, um, which may go out before them and which may go in before them and which may lead them out and which may bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord be not as a sheep which have no shepherd. So the head of this congregation is called a shepherd. Who is Christ? Who is Jesus Christ? He's the good shepherd, right? He's the good shepherd. Um, verse 18, And the Lord said unto Moses, Take thee, Joshua, the son of Nun, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay thy hand upon him. And set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and give him charge in their sight. And thou shalt put some of thine honor upon him and that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. And he shall stand before Eleazar the priest who shall ask counsel for him after the judgment of Urim before the Lord. At his word they shall they go out and at his word shall they come in, both he and all the children of Israel with him and all the, even all the congregation. Uh, and Moses did as the Lord commanded him and he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar the priest and before all the congregation and he laid his hands upon him and gave him a charge as the Lord commanded by the hands of Moses. So you see as a picture here that Jesus fulfilled the law of Moses. See, think about what's going on here. Moses is laying his hands on Joshua. I don't know if he's laying his hands on his head or his shoulders or whatever he's doing, but he's, he's putting his hands on Joshua. Okay, um, So Moses is a picture of the law. Um, he couldn't go in. right? He couldn't make it. He, 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 Moses messed up. He blew it. Um, so have we. So have we. That's the picture. You can't get there through the law, right? That's, that's the picture. Um, uh, hold your place and go to Romans chapter 8 real quick. Romans chapter 8 and verse 3. It says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, okay, um, that described this exact picture where Moses is putting his hands on, on Joshua, okay? Moses couldn't do it. He couldn't go into the land, right? Um, it says in Romans 8, 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the, through the flesh. That's, that's Moses. That's, that's you and me under the law. We couldn't, we couldn't do it. We can't, we can't keep the law. Nobody ever has, ever will. Okay? Not us. Um, and, and guess what? Moses blew it. He, he fell short too. So, so where do we turn to? Okay? Who do we look to? Jesus. Okay? Joshua. Right? Um, as a picture, Moses is saying, look, I can't do it. You know, I'm not going in, I'm not going in the promised land. Um, it's up to you now, Joshua. He's transferring his authority to Joshua, right, when he puts his hand on him. Um, so he leans on Joshua. That's, you know, that's, 
That's what he does. So, so Moses couldn't do it. You know, you can't do it by the law. We have to hand it over to Jesus, to Joshua. Okay, that's that's what Moses was doing. He's kind of handing the reins over to over to Joshua. Um, and uh, let's see. So how did that happen? You know, he didn't he didn't abolish the law. He, you know, that's that's is a picture of what Jesus did. You know, Jesus didn't abolish the law. He fulfilled the law. Okay. To us, the law is 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 called the ministration of death. Okay, that's what Paul called it in Sacred Corinthians chapter three. It it never saved anyone. Um, it only condemns. It only kills. Um, Moses' death is a picture of that. Basically, um, we die to the law so we can live to Christ. Um, you know, we we die to Moses and we 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 put all our faith in Christ in Joshua. You know, so that's what you see when you see Moses putting his hands on Joshua. It's like he's transferring everything to, to Joshua and saying, you do it. You know, I, I can't do it, you do it. And that's, that's exactly what we do in salvation. Um, we go from, from Moses to Joshua, from being dead under the law, condemned, okay, by your works, um, to being alive in Christ, okay, by simply believing on Christ uh, and by leaning on Christ. It's, you know, it's the picture of Moses. He's kind of leaning on Joshua. That's what we're doing with Christ. We're just leaning on him and letting him do all the work, okay? We're out of time. We'll finish there. Questions or comment? Thank you. Thank you. Really cool pictures in here. We'll pick up next time. I think we got, we'll do the cities of refuge uh, next week. Really cool picture of Jesus in there too. Okay. I'll close this. Lord, we thank you so much for, the, for your word as we come here today. Thank you so much for uh, just how rich it is and just all these many pictures we see of your son Jesus and, and how simple it makes salvation. Lord, we can see it in the, in the brazen serpent, Lord, just to look to him. Uh, nothing we can do to, to be saved. Does anybody listen to this today? I pray that you'll um, d- just follow that example that we read in the Old Testament, how they, had the, how they were bitten, they had sinned, and uh, there's nothing they can do to save themselves. That's, that's true of our salvation as well. We, all we can do is look to, to Him, His finished work. Lord, he, he, he took our sin upon Himself. He, he died on that cross. He, he was buried and rose on the third day. And if we'll simply look to Him and believe, We'll be saved, Lord. I pray that you'll do that if you haven't done that. Thank you so much. And we just pray for the rest of the service today and Pastor Barry and all the teachers. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all.